Welcome, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, the podcast that celebrates conversation with creative people who have so much to say and offer. One of the world's top classical musicians and conductors is joining me today, and I'm thrilled to welcome him. He is Benjamin Zander, the founder of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra, as well as the Boston Philharmonic Youth Orchestra. He's taught music to thousands, his TED Talks have been seen by millions, he and the wonderful musicians he conducts continue to inspire audiences around the world. As we record this podcast, Ben is getting ready for some big concerts at Symphony Hall in February and March. Yo-Yo Ma says of our guest, all of his life, Ben Zander has been an engine for inspiration. You're about to experience a little bit of that for yourself as we welcome conductor Benjamin Zander to join us now on mic. You're such a presence as a maestro, as a conductor, but music for you begins at a very early age, and uh, I, I was reading your bio. There was some composition. There was some solo playing. What uh, prompted you to take up the baton, though? What was that move in your life? Well, you know, that was forced on me. The, incidentally, the beginning was uh, very early when I watched my father sitting at the piano. He was an amateur musician, came home from the office, sat at the piano, and he looked so ecstatic when he played that I said, age three, I want to have whatever he's having. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew early on that music could take you into a place that nothing else could. I mean, there were probably drugs that could take you there, but I, I didn't go that path, but I just right. knew that music can transport you into a, into a realm, into a world in which your feelings and your emotions and your in, intense experience of life was just brought to the fore, and that's been the story of my life for the last 80-some years, and it's been a very thrilling journey. The conducting came out of necessity. I couldn't produce calluses on my hand. I was a cellist, and so a career as a cellist was out of the question, although I was a professor of cello at the New England Conservatory, and it was a very important part of my life. But I realized that wasn't mm. possible, so I lied. Somebody <laughs> hired me to teach cello and said, oh, we're looking for a conductor. Do you know anybody? And I said, I'd love to do that. And the, and the woman said, are you very experienced? And I said, oh, very course that was before google so she couldn't check up and <laughs> so she gave me the job as the conductor of the orchestra and the rest as they say is history oh that's <laughs> one of serendipity as it's played out beautifully there's always a door that opens when one closes right well so. the the drawer i want to look into is the boston philharmonic which has right. become celebrated not only in boston and new england but around the world and absolutely uh, it, it took a lot of moxie to come up with this idea because Boston's so known, of course, as a, a art capital and BSO is a terrific organization. But uh, you formed it many, many decades ago, and it's going strong. What are your thoughts about the uh, success? Well, it's interesting. There is not only one. Or, yeah, look, the Boston Symphony is one of the greatest orchestras in the world, always has been, always will be. The thing is that a, a really vibrant town has to have many voices to speak out loud about different ways of approaching the world, life, relationships, and music. And so in Berlin, there are eight symphony orchestras. And I believe in Tokyo, there are nine. In London, there are five world-class orchestras and probably many more. In Boston, interestingly enough, and not well known, there are 37 orchestras in this area, by which I mean community orchestras, student orchestras, and so on. The Boston Philharmonic has grown from a very good community orchestra into one of the best orchestras in America. 
And the fact that it can do that next to and in addition to the Boston Philharmonic, in addition to the Boston Symphony, is a phenomenon of Boston life. There are so many great musicians who live here who don't play in the Boston Symphony. Mm -hmm. The Boston Symphony is made up of the best musicians in the world who audition. It doesn't matter where they come from. Our musicians are local. They're people who are trained here often at the New England Conservatory and often by me because I've been teaching here. I taught at the conservatory for 45 years and I came here 60 years ago. So this is the end of a long journey and everybody in that orchestra has been in, incidentally in both orchestras because the youth orchestra which has a concert the following week yes. unbelievable youth yes. orchestra 12 yes. to 21 year olds playing at the same level because the, the training around here the teaching is so phenomenal and the dedication to the arts and to train you know one of our students in the orchestra comes up from new jersey every week mm. and another one from Darius scotta maine and you know they they come in from all over because people are so passionate about playing this music this great classical music that we the great heritage that we have and boston is one of the great centers of music so of course it has two orchestras <laughs> <laughs> and they're not in competition. It's no. not a competition any, any more than if two plays are put on. You, know, you don't well, think of them in competition. It, it's interesting. As added richness. Right, right. And that's the way. It, and I want to tell everybody about the way the Boston Philharmonic plays because they play with such love and engagement and complete passion. That's what they're about. Every player in that orchestra plays out of a love for music and a love for each other and a love for the audience. Mm. And just being in their presence is an uplifting experience. You know, people go to church on Sunday and they should come to a concert on Saturday. <laughs> I love it. You know, you mentioned the youth orchestra that you've done so much great work with. And I think it, for those who decry the uh, the degradation of culture and music, they, they it, the biggest secret that is untold, and we're telling it now, is that there's a whole young generation of great players, people who appreciate classical music, who are composing new classical music. And I think that's your greatest legacy, all of our greatest legacies, is to have the next generation carry on, Ben. It's amazing what's going on, and I think you ain't seen nothing. I think it's on the rise. More and more people, you know, my my TED Talk has been seen now by 27 million people, and it's about the message of that is that everybody loves classical music. They just haven't found out about it. Mm. So part of my job is to make sure that people understand it. Go on the website, benjaminzander.org, and it's a playground. It's like going down the chute in Alice in Wonderland <laughs> and finding all this amazing stuff which is available to everybody. And now with the technology we have, you can hear this music at the... You, it doesn't sound like Symphony Hall. It can't. Nothing will ever sound like live music. It's like when you take corn of the cob and eat it directly mm. 20 minutes later... That's the real taste. But you can get pretty close with the modern me me mechanical right. devices with great earphones. I have a pair of earphones I just got. I mean, the music leaps out into my ears. It's just incredible. So people are listening all the time. And as they listen more and more and realize that classical music is an endless uh, source of joy and of understanding and of up spiritual uplift and in entertainment, and it's just fantastic and more and more people are finding out about it not through schools unfortunately but through technology mm. and that's the great excitement of this era and that's why i say i think the next 30 years 
think it's going to just explode all around the world. Mm. You have a particularly intense and close relationship with Gustav Mahler. Yes. Um, the name is familiar to many, but uh, I'd love to hear from your point of view. What makes Mahler so fascinating as a uh, as a Do you composer? have a couple of hours? <laughs> <laughs> this man, he understood nature. He understand, understood humanity. He could express every emotion known to man. And he had an uncanny ear for sound the greatest mastery of orchestration. I mean, the opening of Mahler One. If people come to Symphony Hall on on the 24th of February at 8 o'clock, the opening of Mahler One, an, a, a, a single note played from the lowest double bass to the highest violin, seven octaves of A. I say it's like the tuning of the universe, the sound that's always been there. And at the beginning of Malawan, God turns up the volume very slightly and you hear the sound. And then you hear sounds of birds and sounds of trumpets in the distance and the atmosphere and the absolutely mesmerizing concentration of sound and beauty. And it's just breathtaking. I mean, you literally can't take a breath because it's so beautiful. And then out of that, he builds a world of sound. And he said that. He said, a symphony should be like the whole world. Don't miss it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I love it. And your recordings have garnered great reviews, critically re yeah. uh, beautifully around praised the world, they, around they, the world. Yeah. Well, I, the recordings are largely with the Philharmonia, which is one of the greatest orchestras in the world, and they love this music, and they play it impeccably. But I have to tell you, the Boston Philharmonic, which is my orchestra, in other words, we've been together for 45 years, not the same people, because some of the young people who pass through, uh, you know, mm -hmm. changes every year, but... Right. But the, the bulk of it, 30 years, 25 years, they know, I, I hardly have to say anything anymore. They just, they just understand and they, they take risks. They play softer than any orchestra you've ever heard. And they play louder because they take risks and they go for broke. And it's a, it's a wonderful, you know, yeah. safety last, I always say. Well, well how, much of that, <laughs> how much of that kind of experience that an orchestra takes takes on these beautiful challenges. How much of that is, though, due to the conductor, the music director, the person at the podium? Well, it's fascinating that you say that. The answer is all of it comes from the conductor, and yet the conductor doesn't make a sound. So <laughs> the conductor's job is to awaken that capacity, that ability, that passion in other people. So yes, it all comes from the conductor, and the conductor has to decide on the tempo and the shape and the color and all those things. But he is 100% dependent on his ability to make other people sound and feel powerful. So that's a great model for leadership altogether, if only our political leaders yeah. understood that, because <laughs> if they could bring out the glory of the music in other people instead of fighting amongst themselves to see who could bash the other one over the head with the two-by-four, we'd be living in a different world. And look at that, Novaldi this morning, dead, one of the most powerful, beautiful, yes. I spent time with his daughter this summer, this great man languishing in prison, and now they've killed him. Right, they're talking about and, the Russian and investment. That's the right. opposite yeah. of Mahler, okay? Yeah. Mahler 
knew something about life. He had insight. He was like a visionary. And he had a mastery of the orchestra, like the greatest painter and the greatest poet and the greatest sculptor and the greatest athlete and the greatest intellect and poetry and everything, all in the music. All, all people have to do is be in the hall. And, you know, we have in symphony hall, people don't realize this, this may be the most perfect space for music in the entire world, right here in Boston. And it's a, a place of incredible beauty, and and the sound is perfect. And so what, a, what an amazing privilege we have. And to have these two orchestras, one is playing on the February 24th, the grown-up orchestra, and the kids are playing on March 3rd, a very challenging program with Ravel and Ives. Can I just tell you one thing? You know that on the common in Boston, there's that St. Gaudens statue of the 54th Regiment of the Black Soldiers coming back from the Civil War, one of the most moving, maybe the most beautiful piece of public statuary in America. I took the whole orchestra, and we stood in front of that statue, and they felt the sadness and the despair and the loss. Three-quarters of that regiment was wiped out in the Civil War, the Black Regiment. And then we walked over the common to the church over the road, the Cathedral St. Paul's, and we played the first movement of Ives' Three Places in New England, which we're going to play on March 3rd in Symphony Hall. And they had just stood in front of that statue, which I stood in front of when he was in high school, and he was so moved to tears, and then he went and composed that representation of the sorrow and despair and the hopelessness of black Americans in the face of the of the horror, you know. And it, 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 it just goes so deep into the soul of these things, of pe- things people will never forget, those experiences. Well, the, you there's know, a... that program, the same program, yeah. We're playing the Tchaikovsky First Piano Concerto with a pianist, Anna Fedorova. She comes from Ukraine. She's from Kiev. She's one of the great musicians out of that part of the world. And she's coming. She lives in Amsterdam. She's coming to play with us, with the youth orchestra. This woman has made a performance of the Rachmaninoff Second Symphony, one of the most popular pieces of music ever written. And her performance on YouTube has been seen 39 million (laughs) times. That's the most of any recording of any classical piece ever, right? This young woman is coming to Boston on March 3rd to play with our youth orchestra, and there shouldn't be an empty seat in that hall. And they'll hear the Ives as well, and they'll hear Daphnis and Chloe of Ravel, and they'll hear Britain's... Uh, you know, the, the, the Britain from Peter Grimes. When I was a little boy, you mentioned I wrote compositions and I, my mother put them in for a competition and the adjudicator said they was too bad. She couldn't, he, he couldn't consider them for the competition. In fact, he even discouraged me from composing. And my mother, bless her soul, she sent them off to Benjamin Britain, who was the leading composer of the day. <laughs> she didn't know him. She just sent the compositions and he called out four days later and said, nonsense, he's only nine, don't worry about it. Yeah. Come and spend your summer holiday in Albro, which is a beautiful summer place, where he wrote his music, where he wrote Peter Grimes. So when I tell the young musicians, I said, I spend my summers in this place. I heard the sea coming up against the the the, 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 the 
beach where there was no sound, it was all pebbles, but he could reproduce, he could recreate the sounds of nature like like Mahler and and also the incredible horror of the story of Peter Grimes. And they're playing all this music on the March the 3rd, Sunday afternoon. What else is going on in Boston on Sunday afternoon? What a, what a, what an experience, what a rich life we have here. We're so privileged. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a golden era, absolutely a golden And, you know, I will say this for my colleagues at the New England Conservatory and the Greater Boston Youth Symphony. There's an a incredible plethora of young musicians. There's one harpist, believe it or not, who plays in the Greater Boston Youth Symphony, and they've changed their program so she can play in the first part of their program, and then she can come over and play Daphnis and Chloe and, and the Ives in our program. <laughs> wow. Where else in the world can you do that? And where else in the world is there a community of people who love kids and educate them well and prepare them for life so that they can make a difference in the world? Your enthusiasm is absolutely contagious, and people say that about you and your love for what you do. So I have one more question, and that is the linkage that the music provides from not just the past, but uh, culture, history, uh, personalities. I mean, when you hear Beethoven, Mozart, Brahms, any of the guys from that era, and then you even hear, uh, I happen to be a Samuel Barber fan myself. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> I love Samuel Barber. But when you hear the, the, the range of music and the classical uh, realm, you realize it's something that binds us together. I don't think we'll be bound together by, dare I say, Taylor Swift thir- 300 years yeah. from now. But, but I, do be- I do believe. So just, just your final take on the role that classical music has, not only in our entertainment lives, but in our, in our DNA, if you will. Yes, and in our spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. The world has produced a, an astonishing number of masterpieces of music from the beginning, you know, from Marchaud and Palestrina and Monteverdi and all the way through the great classical works of Mozart and Beethoven and Brahms and Schubert and then into uh, the Romantics and Mahler and Verdi and uh, it goes on and on into our own time. And it is something that is there permanently by some miracle are literally available with the flick of a wrist. Uh, at any moment, you can hear any piece of music from any time played magnificently and sounding wonderful. And then when you get to know it, you get to know it more and more and more. Look, pop music is great because it provides a very good way of getting kids out of puberty in one piece. <laughs> but, you know, the pounding rhythm and the, and the, the bass drum bashing you on the, over the head, it's too limited. And it's great. It's great popular music, too, of course. You know, I listen to Billie Holiday, and you know, my heart is warmed. But, but the greatest music, the Schubert's, the, 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 the Beethoven and Brahms, they took us into worlds that nobody else can bring you there. You listen to a Bruckner symphony, and particularly if you listen to it in a great hall like Symphony Hall, we're doing the Bruckner Ninth, the unfinished Bruckner Ninth. It'll take people to a place that nothing else can get them there. There's no other way of getting to that place. You can go to the top of a mountain and look out and it gets some idea, but it's nothing compared to what these great composers have given us. It's, 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 
it's unbelievable what we have mm. and this is this is the pinnacle time in the history of music we're reaching people across the globe with hundreds of thousands of downloads on a regular basis and podcasting is a great way to reach people internationally but your message rings true with me and i know many many millions throughout the planet and i think it's a, a testament to you that uh, you've got so many fans and so many people aching to hear these great concerts and well if i may draw them uh, if i may take this moment not for personal reasons but for their their benefit the boss my website now is devoted to that idea that you just spoke about it's it's not a promotion it's a a journey into classical music. I take the listener by the hand. I take them around. I explain everything. So I'll explain the symphony and then you play it or I'll explain something and also teach the art of possibility, which is the the key to all of this, the open-heartedness, the willingness to be available. That's the art of possibility. And that's all in the website, which is org. I think it's also the Benjamin Zander Center, but anyway, BenjaminZander.org is an invitation to people, and I'm the guide, and like in a museum, I take people around and explain the paintings, but I mean, in this case, mm. incidentally, the paintings are there too, because my beloved former wife, Ros Zander, with whom we wrote together, The Art of Possibility, she died this uh, tragically this, this September, but I've put as much of her that I can do. Her paintings are so beautiful. And the books, she's, uh, you know, the art of possibility yeah. and pathways to possibility. It's an it's a open world. It's a world of glory. You know, it's a very interesting. Yesterday I got an invitation to conduct. I, I just did a program like this, except on TV in Russia. It was seen by 7 million people in Russia. Two 40-minute two segments. Apparently it was, went went viral and they've invited me to go to Russia to Moscow to conduct the National Youth Orchestra in Russia in October and I just don't know what to do because I think I should go to talk to those young people to give them this experience because they have so little mm. and then of course the other voice is you can't go because it's like endorsing the, the tyrant what a, what a dilemma it, it is but we go Unless we go there, unless yeah. we speak to these young people, what hope is there? I remember when Seiji Ozawa, who just passed, uh, took the BSO to China. Um, you yeah, open up a doorway through the arts. I think I, I'm not Absolutely. going to tell you what to do, but I think because that's the beauty of it. The yeah. arts don't go through the intellect of, of argument. They go directly through the DNA and shift the molecules. That's how it works. And we have no control over it. it doesn't, we don't choose. We can't resist it once we're there. Mm. Thank you so much for your time and attention and your zest and love and zeal for the music and life. I appreciate it. God bless you and God bless the Boston Please Philharmonic. Come to the concert on, on the 24th. <laughs> Do check out BenjaminZander.org for more on this musical marvel who's still going strong and performing at his best. Thank you to Benjamin Zander. And thanks to all of you for subscribing and downloading and rating and reviewing my podcast. It's called On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on all platforms. Find out more at my website, jordanrich.com. And until next time, remember as always to be well so you can do good. Take care.